Let's Face Reality with Bravo. I hope you guys have had a great weekend, actually. We're getting very close to Valentine's Day. It's in what, like nine days or something? It's just another year to remind myself that I am single, but I'm very comfortable with it. So no problems here. But other than that, I just have a Valentine's coming up this weekend to celebrate with my girls. Uh, Susan's going to be on the VPR recap episode, so stay tuned for that. She's also finally started Traders, so I'm hoping to ask her some questions, get her thoughts on what she thinks of the cast so far, if she's okay with who's been dumped, who stayed, if she likes who the Traders were. So can't wait to see what her ideas are on that. I've even refused to FaceTime her about it because I know if I FaceTime and talk to Suzanne about it, we're not going to have any opinions to discuss on the pod. So I'm refusing to get any questions. All I texted her back was, I'm glad you watched it. I'll ask you the rest on the pod. So I've been like trying to avoid FaceTiming my own sister just because every time I FaceTime Suzanne, we talk about everything on the phone. And then I'm like, oh, we should have talked about this while we were online. So that's what I'm trying to work on right now. But don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube at Let's Face Reality with Bravo and our Instagram as well, where I'll be posting updates and like video clips of us that will also be like clipped from our YouTube. So don't forget that and to rate, leave us reviews. I want to know what I can fix, what we could do better on. If you want another show that maybe I'm not recapping that you'd like me to talk about, I would love to add a bonus episode of a show that might not even be Bravo. So whatever you guys want, 90 Day Fiance, um, Love is Blind, doesn't matter what country it is. Uh, the Challenge, Survivor, Big Brother. I'd love to cover any of those. So just let me know. The Challenge is honestly my favorite. So if I see people that want me to cover The Challenge, I will 100% do so. So we're actually going to start with Married to Medicine. And then we'll dive into Potomac. Because there's not really much that happens in Potomac. But the, this one was actually a pretty good episode for Potomac. So I was proud of them. But honestly, Married to Medicine is my number one right now. With those two on my Sunday-Monday episodes. So... We're going to start with Mary to Medicine first. And then, like I said, you can go into the show notes and see where Potomac starts if you do not watch Mary to Medicine. But you are missing out if you're not. So let's get into Mary to Medicine. It's season 10, episode 12, Hilton Head. Here we come. So we actually get everybody meeting up at Simone's house. And I really thought that they'd fly to Hilton Head and not drive there. But I guess that's what they'd rather do. So everyone comes over except Jackie, Curtis, Heavenly, and Damon so far. So Sweetie and Dr. G are matching, which is kind of cute. I mean, honestly, like I've said, after Sweetie's endometriosis journey and just seeing the struggle she's going through personally and honestly just it being a little challenging for her to become friends with these ladies, I empathize with her a lot. And I hope we can see some sort of resolution with her. But I don't know. A part of me feels like Sweet Tea might not be coming back next season. So we see Kima as they're in the kitchen. I guess they're all eating and stuff before they head, they head on the road. And Kima's asking for some paper plates. And this is when we start seeing the ladies throw a little dig at him. And so Simone asks if she can fix him up. She can fix a plate for him. And they ask if Alicia can learn a thing or two. But he says, no, no, Alicia understands that. She's already trained upright. Sir, 
you don't train your wife like a dog. Your wife will learn how you guys will be able to work together copacetically. She's going to learn like what it is you're going to prefer. You're going to learn what she prefers. And you guys are going to be able to compromise with each other. There's no training. There's no teaching. You don't, there's no rule book in marriage. You just, if you're compatible, it's going to work. If you're not, it's not going to. And the way that you speak about your marriage, Kima, makes me feel like Alicia's going to end up being the one who files the divorce papers. But Simone called Heavenly and she puts her on speaker because she's wondering why they haven't come over yet. And Heavenly just tells her that she's not coming because she doesn't like the situation that they put Jackie and Curtis in. So then Simone goes to call Jackie and Jackie seems pretty mellow, fine in the beginning, telling her that they won't be coming. But as she's hanging up the phone, you could tell Jackie's crying and something is upset and upsetting her. And she obviously got into some sort of altercation with Curtis. I don't know. I just, I don't trust that man. I don't like him. I don't like him. So they all pack their things. They get in the Sprinter van and they all try to get their husbands to call Curtis. But Cecil looks at him and he's like, we're men. We don't do that. If a man doesn't want to show up and changes his mind, we are not going to try to convince him to do so. So they get in the van. It's going to be a 4.5 hour drive. Oh, and Phaedra finally shows up as they're walking to the Sprinter van. I almost forgot about my queen Phaedra. Where? Why? Fashionably late? I guess so. Okay. So Toya threatens. <laughs> so they're in the, the van and everyone's ready to take shots. But Phaedra's like, oh, man, it's, it's a little too early for that. And so Toya just threatens Phaedra to put a shot up her rectum because Phaedra doesn't want to drink yet. And so this is when we get Eugene giving us a little rundown on how things get absorbed. Better going up your butt. Not surprised. So he just gives this like story of what they learned in med school about this guy who would sprinkle the white snow stuff on a dildo and then he would F himself in the butt with it and he ended up ODing on it because he didn't realize he was overdoing it. That's funny because I remember when I was in college, oh my God, Oh my God, how many years ago? I was a sophomore in college, okay? And I was in rhetoric class and there was this girl who sat next to me and we were usually the only people in class who would always raise our hands. We'd give our opinions. And we, you know, it was like one of those classes where you could tell nobody was uh, participating or giving any sort of attention to the professor. And it was like one of the sweetest professors you could ever think of. And so she one day came in very late to class, like 30 minutes late. And I asked her, and I, I mean, I didn't even think she would tell me. I wasn't even close to her yet. So I was like, why are you so late to class? And she was like, I got a new Adderall prescription and the the dosage was so small and I really needed to get like I needed to feel it right away so I could do my homework after class. So I've been in the bathroom shoving them up my butt for the past 30 minutes. And I looked at her. I was in disbelief. I couldn't even believe the words that came out of this girl's mouth. And she told me she shoved 10 of them up her butt before class. And yeah, to say she was cracked out, is putting it nicely. That girl was talking more than the professor. It's like she was the one giving us a lesson that day. Thankfully, she's still alive. You know, she's doing she's doing well. She's in the military now. You know how things change for people. But yeah, that was my first time realizing that when you put something up your butt, well, not my first time, because I knew when you get usually, if you have a cold or a flu and you get a vaccine in your butt, you feel better usually faster. But stuff with medications, I, I, I don't know. I guess I didn't think about it until she did it and came to class and it, it hit her right away. But let's get back into it. 
So they all bring up Jackie not coming and Eugene just tells everyone in the in the van that if none of us talked about their marriage in seven years, why would we bring it up now? Um, Sir, maybe because you guys are on TV and production might be pushing someone in the cast to bring it up, which Jackie and Curtis obviously know this. They feel it. They know that this trip was planned because they need some sort of storyline and production's going to want somebody to talk about it to make a good show. Okay, this is exactly why Jackie and Curtis don't want to come. So they end up playing a game the last hour while they're in the van. And they ask some stupid questions. But it ends with Toya asking, top three things you got to do before you put Kima to bed. And Alicia goes, home-cooked meals, no oral, but you do the deed. And she didn't end up giving a third one. But everyone was like, wait, what? You don't do oral with your own husband? He's your husband. And Kima tells us some new information that he says in their culture, they don't do the oral. Which I I really didn't think culture was tied to what people do in the bedroom when you're a married couple. My understanding is that when you're married, it's free game. No one can really tell you anything. It's between you and them. Uh, like, what? Okay, whatever, whatever. So they make it to the vacation home in Hilton Head, and I am just wondering why... Did they get a house that is so close to other people's homes? It seems like they picked an Airbnb that's in a regular neighborhood. Could they not have gotten one that has like a lot of land that's away from everyone, kind of secluded to be more comfortable? And not only that, the pool is in the front of the house, not even in the back. So that just makes the entire thing uncomfortable. If anyone's walking down the streets, if there's children, if just anything, it's there's no privacy here. So they get in, there's a private chef, and then Alicia and Toya, they're just running up the stairs fighting for rooms, but Simone and Cecil, they say that the newbies don't get good rooms. They get the leftovers, so nobody else is really stressing over a bedroom at this point because they know that they're going to get what they had already signed up for, which is why it was kind of shocking to see Toya fight for a room of all people. But Phaedra is the only single lady here, so she kind of just lets the men do everything for her. They carry her luggage up for her, and she just kind of talks to them in a manner that makes a man feel so alpha, which I feel like Kima enjoyed when he would talk to Phaedra, which leads to Alicia making a comment to Phaedra that her husband wants her to take a Phaedra course because Phaedra follows traditional gender roles, but Alicia isn't the type to want that. She kind of always makes comments at her husband that she's the tough woman and she's half a man. And so Toy and the ladies look at her like, girl, you don't tell your husband you're half a man. You let him lead. You let him do the heavy lifting. You don't need to put yourself in a predicament like that. So they're all getting ready for dinner. And guess who finally shows up? Jackie and Heavenly with their husbands. They arrive, they hug everyone, and I kind of feel like they actually flew there instead of driving. They must have not wanted to be in the van, or maybe Curtis was worried they'd bring something something up in the van on the way to Hilton Head. So they wanted to diverge this entire thing. And so as they're all hugging them, we see Simone whisper into Curtis's ear that she's got his back. He doesn't really seem like he's buying it. But I feel like Curtis only came so that Jackie can still have the show to keep busy for when he's away at the Dominican Republic. And so she asks less questions when she has the show to do. Because obviously to him it's like, well, when you have the show, you're too busy to wonder what I'm doing. So I need you to have the show so I can keep doing what I'm doing behind your back. That's the vibe that I get from Curtis. So Toya tells Heavenly that they talked about her the entire drive here. And Heavenly... And basically, like, explaining to her, we were talking about how you are not being a good friend to us, and you just left us. So Heavenly goes in and explain that 
this wasn't a good idea to have a trip here. Uh, but let her know it still left them with like a bad taste in their mouth, which is what Toya told her because they were all looking forward to this trip. And just because Curtis is a fair, that doesn't mean that they can't come here ever. So Sweetie jumps in and she says that, well, you guys brought up the situation with Quad to make me feel bad about it. But with Jackie, you guys will shut it down. So she basically, Sweetie just feels like this entire situation is unfair because when it came to Quad or it came to her marrying Dr. G, everyone was attacking her. Everyone was bringing up his past, her past, bringing up Quad, making her feel bad for it. But when it comes to Jackie, it's like all hail, all hail Mary. Everyone's worried to say something. So Jackie goes, I'm in the hot seat every day. I'm in the hot seat every time I go in the OR. I'm in the hot seat when I'm with a patient and they're diagnosed with breast cancer. I'm in the hot seat every time one of my patients gives birth and I know I can't have one. I'm in the hot seat, da-da-da-da. And she just goes on and on. And Jackie just, she's ready to fight back. She is going with the words of, I'm going to play this nicely so that every time I say something, it makes her feel guilty or it'll make her feel more stupid to even respond. So Simone goes in to reiterate that she does not, she did not do this trip to reopen a wound for Jackie and Curtis. And Heavenly just comes in yelling. So Simone and Heavenly, they're going back and forth. They're cursing each other out. And it's a screaming match at this point. So we then end up seeing these people flashing their phone light outside, like trying to see what's going on. Um, Go away. Mind your business. They're filming a TV show. Go away. You'll watch it on screen. Bye. Bye. Like, I did not get good vibes from those people. Anyway, so this makes them resort to wanting to go inside and finish their food. So they go in. They don't want to risk the neighbors kicking them out on their first day there. So as they're sitting inside, Phaedra just feels like Jackie got heavenly where she wants her to, which is doing her dirty work, defending her, helping her and Curtis out, and not going against them. So Curtis goes in to tell everyone, We're all intelligent people. We're grown people. This is not the place. We are so past that. We got other things to deal with. And it's nothing to do with six to seven years ago. See, I don't even remember how long it's been. I don't trust you, Curtis. You even acting like you forgot if it was six to seven years ago doesn't mean anything. So Eugene jumps in to say, so Curtis, if you're saying it's not the place, is it the people? Because we're the people. And are we not trustworthy enough to spend time with you, to not shit on you? So Jackie goes in to explain that basically Eugene has to put himself in their shoes and imagine what they went through this morning in their own house just to talk about coming back to this place, Hilton Head. And like she just says that this is not about anyone. This is about her and Curtis and about what they had to deal with. So they kind of seem to put it to rest at this point, but Sweetie comes back to chime in and she goes, Curtis, but your wife made fun of my situation because no one gave a fuck about how I felt. You made fun of Gregory's situation and you said that the lady in the hotel room was on her way to my bachelorette party. You made fun of that. So why would I empathize with you? And this is when Jackie does the thing where she says, okay, I'll just get into it. So she goes, you don't have to, baby girl. Just say anything you want to say. Get it out. If it's going to make you feel better, get it out. And Sweet Tea yells at her, F you. Like, okay, hear me out. I know what Sweet Tea did was uncalled for, but how Jackie was talking to her in such a patronizing, condescending way, I would have honestly ignored Jackie at that point instead of yell at her because Jackie did that to make Sweet Tea lose focus and to curse at her in order for her to lose the fight, which is what ended up happening. Sweetie lost this battle. 
And Jackie was like, I knew it. If I just talk to her in a manner that will drive her insane or make her think I'm belittling her, it's going to make her lose or or it's going to make her not stick to what she was talking about. And it's going to make her focus on attacking me. So it worked. So Jackie just repeats it. And she says, I'm going to handle it, baby girl. I'm going to handle it later. So Dr. G just, he tries to defend Letitia. He explains that Sweetie was just defending him, so no one should be mad at her. They all go into their rooms to go to bed, but Sweetie starts vending to G a bit, and she's kind of crying to him, and she just tells him that she's harboring so many feelings, and she can't handle it because she's fighting with all these ladies just trying to protect her husband, and she just feels like she's being attacked in every corner at this point, which I understand. She's the newbie. They're going to they're gonna haze her. They're going to tackle her. They're kind of just going to put her through the ringer because that's what every newbie on Bravo goes for. That's what everybody on a new show goes through when they're dealing with the OGs. And she did take Quad's husband. So to them, it's like you, you wanted to get on the show. You intentionally went for a man who was known as being an abuser on TV. So we're not going to really feel bad for you. So it's the next day. And everyone's getting ready for the outing. And we see Heavenly and her husband. They're they're calling her daughter to check in. But her daughter is just kind of not wanting to talk on the phone and hangs up in their face. And Simone's got her glam squad. And Dr. G's talking to Sweet Tea again. He's just telling her that he's never going to be okay with her cussing out someone. And he hopes to never see it again because she was very overwhelmed. And it just kind of seems like Dr. G never saw that side of her before. So ugh, he clearly wasn't that into it. But we have Kima in the kitchen with Eugene, which is very surprising. Kima is in the kitchen, guys. That is something we are not used to. But he's just making some rum punch Caribbean style, though, while Eugene is the one who's making the eggs and the breakfast foods. So Toya and Alicia come down to join their husbands in the kitchen. And Alicia does admit that their beds were not comfy, even though everyone else's were. So her and Kima were giving each other massages, which I was shocked by because I didn't think Kima would even give his wife a massage. I feel like she gave him an hour massage and he gave her like a five minute one. And he was like, okay, I'm done. And she just does what she usually does, which is listen to him and then act like she doesn't listen to him. But I really liked seeing this point when Eugene was defending Sweet Tea here by saying that Jackie shouldn't have called her baby girl and saying that she'll handle it later, just like the way people who work in churches do when they give you that church look eye. So Dr. Heavenly goes into Simone's room. She apologizes to her for how she spoke to her about the whole thing with Hilton Head. And she says that she wasn't trying to blame her, but she was trying to explain to her like what you did wasn't right. So, you know, they're okay. They move on. And Heavenly says that she now knows not to fight other people's battles, but she just wishes that Jackie could speak up more because Simone would have taken the situation more seriously if Jackie was the one who would have just been open about how uncomfortable this entire trip makes her. So we end up seeing the men are going to go learn how to cook or go to a cooking course or something while the ladies are the ones who are actually going golfing. So they're in the Sprinter vans going to their destinations and the husbands are just joking about cooking. So Eugene tells Curtis that he knows he doesn't like to cook, but Curtis goes and says, well, I like to find things in the kitchen. And Eugene was like, yeah, like the phone to Uber Eats. (laughs) Sorry, the married to medicine men, in my opinion, are the most comfortable men on camera. I feel like everything is so raw between them. Their friendships are so real. I love seeing their dynamics together. I don't know what it is about them, but I thoroughly enjoy it. So Damon feels like he cooks, but he says he only makes pancakes and he feels like nobody at home appreciates that from him. So we pan back to the ladies in the van and they give Alicia shit a bit for saying that they know why Alicia's back hurt from 
from her bed. And it was actually because she was sleeping next to Kima, not because of the actual bed. And I just feel like these women are a little too harsh on Alicia. And the problem with Alicia is that she's also a confessional fighter. So I watched the Watch What Happens Live episode. And I wrote this down in my notes. And this really bothered me about Alicia. So she is so, she's too nice to the ladies in person. Like the ladies will throw jabs at her and her husband. And she just kind of ignores it and lets them say their piece. But then on Watch What Happens Live, when Andy asked um, Alicia about like, why them choosing Hilton Head and she goes basically she points out that they should have gone to the Dominican Republic this time where Curtis usually goes and I was like okay so you'll be throwing jabs at Jackie and her husband's marriage here but if you were with Jackie right now I doubt she would have even said that so I just don't like how Ashley's the type that fights when no one's around or when she's talking to a producer or someone but when she's actually in front of the person she doesn't like she refuses to tell them to their face what she thinks so that just gave me fake vibes from her. But we end it with Sweet Tea trying to apologize to Jackie. I mean, to me, it came off pretty sincere, but Jackie clearly does not forgive her. She lets her apologize, but the way Jackie responds to her is in a way of, you're apologizing for yourself, Sweet Tea, but I hope you think about this. And in the way Heavenly and Toya also say something in their confessional, it's like, yeah, good luck. Jackie's never going to be your friend again. And they're making me feel like, if Jackie's not your friend, we're not going to really be your friend. So it's kind of like the beginning of Sweet Tea getting iced out, it feels. So I guess stay tuned. We're going to see what happens after that. Uh, hopefully it won't be too bad. But this is what makes me think that Sweet Tea might not be back next season. Especially if she is someone that Jackie may never want to talk to again or even confide in. Or I don't know. I just feel like Jackie's not feeling her anymore. And... After this, I feel like it was the nail in the coffin for her. So I don't know. I don't see much happening. But all right, that was the end of Mary to Medicine. So let's get into the Potomac episode. It is season eight, episode 12, Blazed and Confused. And it starts out at the fabric shop where Giselle is here with Ashley looking for their GNA athleisure like clothing wear, the type of fabric they want. And we see Ashley actually arrives in this really cute flowery dress. I would just like to say Giselle and Ashley, they were giving this entire episode. Ashley, m more normal, but like Giselle specifically, I don't know what it was about, about Giselle. Her makeup, she dressed so simply, everything. She looked perfect. She was either ovulating this episode or she got a different stylist, one or the other. But they show a flashback of Giselle's daughters making fun of her and Ashley's name ideas, which I'm surprised Giselle's still stuck with it. But I actually like it personally. I think GNA is a good name. And Giselle says that she wants to end up doing a fashion show to show off their line. So I'm assuming the final cast event party, whatever, after they're back from the Dominican Republic is going to be Giselle and Ashley's um, athleisure line party. So Robin and Mia come and Giselle asks them if they get coochie sweat when they work out because she's trying to figure out how thick she wants the fabric. And Mia admits that she also gets butt crack sweat. So they better figure that out too. And then they talk about the camel toe situation, how they're going to work on that. And they end up bringing up Karen's last minute invite just because Giselle had canceled. And Giselle emphasizes that it was so rude for Karen to do that. So Ashley tells Mia that Karen was grilling her and saying, how dare Mia? Why would Mia do that? 
To which Mia makes a comment that she isn't second string and she's first draft pick. So she was not going to accept that invitation to begin with. And they bring up Wendy's Happy Eddie joint role party. And she actually extended the invite to Neko, which was very surprising. But Eddie did not extend the invite to Ike. So he will not be attending this event. So we're at Neko's home. And she's talking to her business partner about her company called Bido, which is going to be a sparkling wine collection. And I mean, this woman, she is starting on her first season. Get that business going, okay? I mean, I know you're a lawyer, but if you're going to be a one-season wonder, you might as well pop it up from now. But we see her cousin-in-law, Leba, come, and so does her friend, Chica. And they talk about their husband, or Neka talks about her husband being a travel doctor. So unpacking alone has been really stressful lately because he isn't around most of the time in the week. So she's going to have an unpacking party, which is going to be a pajama theme party. And she wants the girlfriends to come over. And she asks Leba if she's comfortable with Wendy coming because she is going to her weed event. So Leba just kind of warns Neka that she is going to be entering Wendy's territory at that point. So to proceed with caution when you go. And so now we get to Candace and Chris. They're at home. And Candace is just kind of learning the lines to apparently a scripted show she's in. She has a lot of scenes to memorize. She's, so she's not going to be able to attend Eddie's event, but also because she has to shoot a scene at that same time. But Candace just goes into how busy she's been lately with her music, acting, shooting her scripted show. I mean, no wonder Candace has been a little MIA this season. She's got a lot going on, especially with the touring and the acting. I feel like the acting is actually what's taking up most of her time. But I don't know. I kind of feel like Candace might not be back next season. I don't know what it is, but I feel like this is the end for her. Maybe Wendy too, or maybe just Wendy. But, you know, Candace just wonders how Chris is going to feel seeing, as she calls them, forehead and ankles. And Chris just says that he doesn't care. And he goes, if someone says hello, of course I'll be nice and say hello back. Plus, everyone is going to be high. I've never met an angry stoner. I mean, yeah, till everyone's cold stone sober, rolling oregano at this event. So now we get to the Happy Eddie event. And Wendy and Eddie, they come in first. They say hi to the wet event planners. And the space is actually very nice. It's very elegant. I really like this. But... We get Eddie explaining the two strands that they have so far. And the first one is called Energized Eddie. And the other one is called Mellow Eddie. And then their third strand is coming online. It's going to be 33% THC. And it's going to be named Zen Wen. Personally, I think this was actually so smart on Eddie to brand it this way. And market it with the names that were given by rather the fans or what was given by Ashley and other people. So honestly... I think this is a win. I think this is going to be the business endeavor that Eddie does great in. He is thriving. I love the names. He already made, what was it, um, merch? What The Happy Eddie sweater he was wearing in the beginning of the season. So honestly, I really think he's going to do great with this. And I, like I said, I love the names that he put for them. So go Eddie. So it just turns out that they'll actually, like I said, they're going to be using oregano to roll these. So I feel like everyone's going to be very disappointed when they show up because I feel like this entire cast smokes. So they were kind of looking forward to it. And so Chris and Candace come in, but Candace just leaves right away to go shoot her TV show. And Mia, me and Gordon walk in as Ashley's or as Candace is leaving. And then Ashley comes in and she's straight up ignoring Chris. And I would have thought Ashley would at least feel a little bad for Chris or try to say hi But no, like she's still kind of acting like Chris is the enemy, which really bothers me because I feel so bad for Chris. He didn't do anything. 
he's simply a nice guy who just wanted people to come to the W so he could support the company he worked for, and it got misconstrued and taken out of place. So now the grand dame comes in, but she's ready to fight this episode. So Karen is apparently back to not hugging Mia. She's only shaking her hand. And Karen goes, oh, when I texted the group, what I didn't understand was your response to my invite. And Mia goes, that I don't do second string invites? And Karen goes, you? No, no, no. You weren't second string. You weren't even the first string. You were the backup. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, Karen. But I love it when Karen fights because <laughs> the things that come out of her mouth, Karen deserved an A plus this episode. She was like, none of you are bringing it. Okay, I guess it's my turn to bring out people's rumors. And so even Mia needed a second take on this because she couldn't believe what came out of Karen's mouth. And they start kind of having a back and forth. I just can't take this fight seriously. So Karen goes, it's better than your boring ass life, Mia. And Giselle and Neca walk in mid fight. And we see Chris make some random comments about the drink. And then Gordon just talks about the temperature of his drink to kind of note that we're not in this drama. We're staying out. We don't want to be involved. And Karen just goes, I thought after the hug we had a Candace's event that you and I were definitely having a moment. Mia goes, listen, I'm going to need from what I'm going to need from you, old dog. Find some new tricks, okay? Like, you're calling Karen an old dog, Mia? Maybe she's a new puppy. She's the new puppy in town, okay? And Karen goes, you're the trick. And so Giselle comes in. Like I said, Giselle is glowing. She comes in with this beige dress. Mia just tells Giselle right away. She goes, Karen is an old dog who needs to learn new tricks. And so they all kiss and hug. And Giselle clearly ignores Wendy. And Wendy acts all surprised and annoyed. She goes, she's ignoring me at my own event? And then they show all these montages of Wendy clearly ignoring Giselle at every single event since episode one of this season. So I don't know who she's talking to. But Giselle just says in her confessional that she has not seen Chris since the reunion. She goes, look like he gained some weight. He been doing that stress eating. <laughs> like, Giselle, no. Why? Why do you have to, like, talk about someone's appearance? I think the thing I hate the most is when you make fun of how someone looks because someone's looks is something you seriously can't control. Like, how big their nose is, how fat they look, how how big their ears are. It doesn't matter. It's like, I don't know. It just that really bothered me. Maybe he's depressed. Maybe he's really unhappy and he's eating away his feelings. Like, let him do his thing. So anyways, Eddie gets up. He gives a speech. And I'm kind of surprised when Mia says, I've never known Eddie to have a real job since I've met him. I've never been an all-time, or I've never met an all-time available attorney that makes money. But I didn't even think of it that way. I didn't realize that Eddie basically doesn't work. Because we never really see him work since he's been on the show. So I'm not surprised Mia's confused by it. But Mia's also really messy and she just doesn't like Wendy. So I'm not surprised she'd say that. But they are then, they're kind of just explaining that they'll be rolling oregano and not weed. And just people don't really seem too pleased. They're kind of annoyed. So Wendy tells everyone that she hasn't heard anyone laugh as much as they did today. And it makes her very happy. But Giselle looks around. She goes, who laughed? I didn't laugh. Did you laugh? Because I didn't know. I don't remember laughing. But production is like, okay, Giselle, we're, we've had it with your lies. So they show a little few-minute flashback montage of Giselle laughing for a little while. And she was actually laughing pretty hard, too. 
So the lady's going to ask me about Gordon. And she does admit that she's been ready to clock out a lot. But Gordon has no one at this point, especially his family. They don't care if he doesn't even know where his next meal is coming from. They're not taking care of him anymore. So she feels like she kind of has to stick around. I mean, that's the impression I got when she was responding. So we see NECA pulling Wendy aside to try to apologize and meet up one-on-one to clear things up. But Wendy's just not having it. She's not being open. NECA's like giving her what she wants. She's taking it slow. She's going at a small pace. But Wendy's just still acting like she doesn't trust NECA's intentions. And like at this point, anything NECA tries to do to be copacetic with her isn't going to work. So like, Wendy, your mom started it. You're lucky NECA's even talking to you. If I felt like somebody cast a spell on me or got bad juju around me, I would never speak to them in my entire life. I would be afraid they're going to cast a spell on me if I even look at them. So I guess we'll see what happens with that. But we see me and Gordon go on a lunch date. And this was actually kind of awkward. They basically go into their marriage and how they're not able to go on dates anymore at night specifically because they can't afford a nanny. And that's what really seems to be bothering Mia, the nanny situation, which is like, is spending time with your children that unbearable? Or is it that it's harder for you to go spend time with your secret boyfriend when you don't have a nanny? So now you're forced to be with your kids at night because I know it's easier to do affairs at night when the sun is down. So Mia, what is it? I feel like this nanny thing is really bothering her more than the rest. Like, I feel like her not being able to afford a nanny is bothering her more than her not being able to maybe afford doing her nails, her lashes, buying new clothes, because a nanny is what's going to get her to be able to leave the house easily. Okay? That's what I know. So now Mia says that she's trying to talk, she's trying to take the therapist's advice by spending more time with Gordon, but she clearly seems kind of checked out in this marriage. She's not really into Gordon. And it's kind of clear when the cameras are around that she's a little ruthless with him. And as Mia talks, Gordon just tries to cheers with her. but She kind of like ignores it in the beginning. And then she pulls out her wine glass and cheers with him. And she does admit that Gordon cuts. Uh, well, Gordon admits that Mia does cut him deep a lot. And Mia says that it's because he doesn't take accountability for his actions that cause them to get to this point financially. Like, Mia, you played a role, too. I bet she was the one who was embezzling more money, or she's the one who pushed Gordon to embezzle money from their company, which made his brothers cut him off. So, like, I feel like he did it because he loves Mia so much that he just was willing to do anything to provide her the life that she wants, and now she's about to leave him for it. Like, Gordon's even confused as to why Mia switched up on him because he even says that he's been asking Mia what's going on, and all she says is he isn't listening, So if Mia refuses to give Gordon a straight answer, then really he hasn't done anything wrong and she's kind of just sick of him at this point. That's what it seems. So Gordon even tells Mia that he was caught by surprise when he says the divorce, when he saw the divorce lawyer's bills. So he must have like, he was going through his bills and he saw she was seeing an attorney. And so Mia goes, you didn't know that in the time, but you know that now. But the reason why... Why had no financial backing whatsoever. It was because we were in a hostile environment. And this is what really bothered me. Because like poor Gordon. He goes to tell her like be very clear. I never touched you. Just like you can't just say that. And it's just funny because I noted that Gordon even knows that his wife's a compulsive liar. So he has to even constantly correct her when she spits out lies. Because Mia really says some damaging things. Like She says it's a hostile environment, but then when she's explaining what she actually meant, she says that it was an emotionally draining situation being around him. 
That's not the same as it being a hostile environment, Mia, okay? So anyways, they then bring up Ashley's situation and how Ashley helped Michael when he had back surgery recently. And Mia just says, like, I would never have helped you if we were divorced, if you got surgery. Yeah, Mia, because that just shows how Ashley's a better person than you are. And it just really shows you were in it for the wrong reasons with Gordon. That's what I got out of this. And he, she just wonders, like, why do you think Ashley's still with Michael and not signing the divorce papers? And Gordon throws it out there that it's because he's her sugar daddy. And then me and Gordon get into the whole divorce talk. And Mia just tells Gordon that if they divorced, he'd give her a settlement. And Gordon goes, um, no, it would have not reached that far. You'd still be around. We'd still be around one another uh, because we'd have a mutually beneficial arrangement. I mean, you'd stay here and give me what I want. And like the first time I watched it, I didn't get it. But then my second rewatch, I was like, wait, does he mean sexual? Does he mean like he'll make her stick around to to provide for him the extra needs he wants? And in return, he'll give her money or whatever? Because Mia seemed disgusted when he said that. Like, uh, uh-uh, I don't care how much money you give me. I'm not I'm not doing that for you anymore. Like she seems done with him. Okay, done. So anyways, now we're finally at... Neka's unpacking party and her sister's over to help out and Neka says if Wendy comes over today this is their new beginning because Bido which is her new champagne company means beginning but obviously Wendy ends up not showing up but Giselle comes in first and she looks perfect she's fabulous she got the red lipstick on with the nice simple dress like I can't even begin to explain how beautiful she looks this episode I can't I feel like it was just my eyes were were popping up this entire time but Charisse comes in and her and Mia are sitting together on the couch and when Karen comes over she says hi to everyone specifically until she sees uh what's her face Charisse sorry my mind is blanking and she just goes oh hi everyone and Charisse goes hello back everyone like Charisse is so bothered that Karen doesn't even acknowledge her but anyways, everyone else arrives. And I'm just kind of confused as to why Wendy's closest friend would come without her best friend when these aren't even her friends. Like, I feel like Wendy wouldn't be comfortable with that unless Wendy's the one who told her to go so she could tell her to come back and tell her everything they said. I feel like that's maybe what it is. But okay, bye, Wendy. Didn't even want to see you on my screen that much. So Candace comes in in her pajamas. And honestly, Candace looked the best. Her makeup, her pajamas were perfect for me. I was really surprised when Wendy, when NECA actually had the ladies unpack their, like her wedding gifts and just unpack in general. Like, I feel like it's so unwavering. Like, it's just, I don't know. I wouldn't come to a friend's house and unpack. I would never invite someone to my house and unpack. That's my personal belongings. I need to know where everything is. I want to unpack. It's just tedious work that you shouldn't let other people do for you. But I don't know, just like, have they not found a home since they got married? Have they never decorated their previous homes? What's going on? It just kind of confused me. But Giselle does ask Karen if she's good with Mia today. And they kind of go back and forth a little bit. And Karen just tells her to move along. But as they're getting ready to eat, Robin goes in to ask again, uh, what were you and Mia or what were you and Karen arguing about? So Mia goes in to say that Karen called her a trick. And Mia goes, takes a trick to know a trick. And they show flashbacks to Mia telling everyone about Karen's rendezvous last season, about what she does with men when she goes to the bars and basically Karen sleeping with anything that walks when she's drunk. 
So Karen goes in to say, for me, I find it, I'm finding it hysterical. But if we're going to talk about rumors, let me show you how that feels, okay? Now, I never came after your marriage when I heard that you met up with a rapper, but I didn't see it. I also could have said you're fucking a married man. I could have done that last year, but I didn't because it's dangerous and it's rumored. It means nothing, okay? And I was like, whoa, Karen, you went out there, okay? Karen says that Mia is openly dating in her confessional. I'm assuming if you live in Potomac, it must be obvious, maybe. I don't know. If you live in Potomac, let me know. Is it known around the block that Mia is dating around or cheating? So Mia then says that she has hung out with those people and it started bleeping out names. It was either names or curse words when Giselle was talking. I think it was for security reasons. Um, And how do I say it? Like, uh, Candace was right here when she was like, ma'am, a rapper is not going to provide you stability. So I don't think Mia was cheating with a rapper, which is right because Mia does look for stability in someone. She looks for someone who will take care of her and her children. So they end up playing a game at the end of it. It was just kind of useless. I mean, they asked if anyone paid for a pick of a friend. So, oh, no. So the last question was. If anyone has screenshots, uh, sorry, if anyone has screenshots of their friend's pictures in their phone, which was, this was very clear. This was Robin's question because we saw the screenshot on Karen's phone of Robin. And, okay, this really surprised me, guys. Karen admitted it. Oh, before I get there, actually, sorry, I wanted to say Mia basically admitted that she's cheating on Gordon because in the confessional when they asked Mia about the rapper, Mia goes, he's not a rapper. I was like, wait, what? So you're admitting it on national TV that you're cheating? What? That really caught me by surprise there. But okay, so it ends with the question, like I said, that Robin had wanted to know, which is a screenshot that Karen had. And Karen admits that she has a Robin Dixon folder in her phone. Like, Karen, I was literally defending you last week. I was defending you. I was saying that you would never... Be the type to, you're not that crazy lady who just screenshots her castmates. But I'm assuming it makes me feel like maybe can't, uh, Karen has a has folders of all of her castmates just in case they end up trying to say something about her. She has dirt on everyone. But I mean, a family of Robin with her dad and her boys, I feel like wouldn't doesn't have much meaning to it. So what would it even mean? I mean, to Giselle, she thinks that Karen has a thing for Robin's father, but I don't think it's that. But anyways... That was the end of the Potomac episode. It was actually better than what I would have thought. Hopefully, maybe once they're at the Dominican Republic, it'll be a little better. But after the Austin trip and the type of production company that's being used for this week, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just going to be a complete dud. But don't forget to follow us, rate, do all that good stuff. And I hope you guys have a splendid rest of your week. I will be back for Below Deck. And Susie will be back with me to recap Vanderpump Rules and talk a little bit about the traders. So, yeah, enjoy your time, and we are signing off.